Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Table Manners. I'm Jessie Ware and I'm here with Mum. And we have the first supermodel ever to be on Table Manners. Jessie, she's been my icon since I was a teenager. Even though I had dark hair, was much larger than her, I absolutely wanted to be Twiggy. Every girl did. We all wanted to have the Vidal Sassoon haircut, asymmetrical. Used to draw freckles on my nose with an eyebrow pencil and eyelashes underneath your eye. That was her thing. So you paint them on with eyeliner. That sounds very time consuming. It was. I mean, you looked almost like a doll. She's lasted throughout the years. I mean, she's still right up there. And if you say the name Twiggy, everyone knows who she is. Yeah, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? Because she not only has been, you know, the first supermodel, she was really quite short for a supermodel. She was five foot six and she was incredibly successful. A girl from Neasden, North London, and she went on to win, I think, two Golden Globes for her performance in The One and Only. And she also did Broadway. Did she? So... Was she in The Boyfriend? Yeah, which she talks about as being one of her kind of proudest moments, I think. So... Well, she was discovered by, I think his name was Justin de Villeneuve, who was like her muse. And he discovered her. It was her manager. Well, he became her manager, but he discovered her, I think, walking down Oxford Street. You know what his real name was? What? Nigel. Crikey. So we have Twiggy coming up, who also has a podcast that she started called Tea with Twiggy. I wish we were having her over. I'd love to have seen her in the flesh. I know. We could have had a nice tea, couldn't we? Hello. Hello. So Twiggy, where are you? So I'm just drinking tea. Um, I'm at the moment in London, where we mainly live. Mm. We have we have a getaway as well in Sussex. So, but at the moment we're in London. Oh, nice! And you're having tea quite on brand, Twiggy. Yes, on brand. Uh, <laughs> tell us about tell us about the old podcast. Well, it, funny enough, the idea came from my daughter, of course, because you know she's your sort of age. And um, last summer, we'd been out to lunch with mutual friends of mine, but Carly has known since she was a little girl. Um, we had a lunch, a girly lunch, and we, we were just chatting about, you know, events that had happened in the 60s and 70s and laughing like you do when you all get together. And I hadn't seen one of the girls for about 30-odd years. So we had this wonderful lunch and, and just started laughing from beginning to end. And at the end... 
Carly said to me, Mum, that was brilliant, you should do a podcast. And I said, I, I probably said, I, well, I don't really know what that is. You know, it was like, you know, I don't, I don't live in that world. Anyway, we talked about it and I said, well, yeah, it's a good idea. But, I, you know, I wouldn't know where to start and how, how you do it. And we kind of, you know, life took over and I, got, I was doing other things. I was busy and I didn't really think about it. And then my agent said to me near Christmas, you know, have you th- ever thought about doing a podcast? So I told him that story. And he said, um, I think it'd be a really good idea because, you know, I can talk for England, as you'll probably find out. <laughs> That's the best kind of guess. You can, you can shut me up if you want. Anyway, he put me together with my producer um, actually just before lockdown. So actually the timing was brilliant because lockdown happened and I thought, well, at least I, I'm doing something. It does keep you busy and it keeps your mind active. And I've become a very good cleaner as well. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Really, but I don't. I don't really enjoy it. I quite like it, you know. I I get I get me rubber gloves on, and I hit those bathrooms, and it's I lo- I actually quite like it. I put my music on, but it took me two days. <laughs> A day for upstairs and a day for downstairs. I thought, what am I doing? This is exhausting. What are you listening to when you're cleaning, Twiggy? Oh gosh, everything and anything. I mean, I'm you know. I go back to old stuff as well. So Joni Mitchell's kind of my my queen. Mm. <laughs> so I kind of got back into her albums. And, you know, and, and the Beatles and Coldplay. And there's a young lady called Amy Wadge, who I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Amy. She did the music for Keeping Faith, didn't she? Yeah, which well, that's how I got to know her, because I sadly didn't know her. And... I started watching Keeping Faith, which became my obsession last year on telly. I just thought it was the best. I Fabulous. thought Eve, Eve Miles was unbelievable. Twiggy, you were such an icon. I mean, I think we're the same age, but when I was a teenager, you were a teenager, and I wanted to be you so much. <laughs> I mean, I could never have achieved that because my stature is not like yours. But I used to paint on freckles on my nose, Uh. eyelashes underneath (laughs) my eyes. Did you used to paint the eyelashes on as well? Yeah, because before I was discovered in 1966 at the age of 16, you know, I was a schoolgirl. And like all teenage girls, at the week, I wasn't allowed makeup in school. I went to a grammar school, so it was quite strict and we wore uniforms and makeup was... not allowed. So at the weekends, me and my friends would sit like most teenage girls and play with makeup. And that's how that makeup evolved. So that was your look? That was my look before and I had, I was, I was a mod. So I had long hair, probably about this length, but it was brown. But my eyes at the weekend I'd paint because I was, my mum and dad would let me go out on a Saturday night. That was the only time I was allowed to go out. And we used to go to a mod club in Harrow and I had to be home by 10 o'clock. They were quite strict, quite rightly. No, I was only 14 and 15. <laughs> and then when the whole thing happened to me, that's how I painted my eyes. That was what I looked like. I mean, I, you know, if you look at those early pictures, I was a funny little thing. And I would never have gone to a model agency because in my head, and it was true, models came from posh families or middle-class families. Yeah, it was in those days. It was all posh families who'd gone... What was the name of the... Um, the Academy. Lucy um, Clayton's. Lucy Clayton. <laughs> Everyone went to Lucy Clayton. If you didn't go to secretarial college, right. if you weren't too sharp, you went to Lucy Clayton. That's right. 
which was almost like a finishing school, it was. wasn't it? But, you mm. know, people like me didn't go there. Also, I, you know, models, if I'd have gone to an agency, if I'd have been brave enough, which I wasn't, I was five foot six and most you, you had to be at least five foot eight. The minimum measurements were, I don't know, 34, 23, I don't know what they were. But I was, I, you know, I, 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 I was this skinny little kid with funny little legs. So that was my look. And then when somebody kind of saw me and, and sent me to have my hair cut, that was the pivotal moment when that haircut was done and the photograph was taken. It just, for some reason... And my nickname, Twiggy, which my boyfriend's brother used to call me to annoy me. Thank you for calling me Twiggy. Because, <laughs> you know, once it was written in the paper, it just went stupid. You know, and within six months, I was in Paris. It served you well, though. Oh, it certainly has. Still such an iconic <laughs> name. And everyone knows you across the generations. Twiggy, I wanted to ask, did you like the haircut when they did it? Well, it was funny because when I went in to, ha- I went in to have it shampooed and set... And Leonard saw me and he came over and he said, let me do my new haircut on you. And I, I'd been growing my hair. It was, it was probably about this long. And I, I, you know, and I was very into my hair. And for a moment, I kind of went, oh, I don't know whether I want my hair cut. But I was so shy and I was in this very posh salon in Mayfair. So I was a bit too shy to say, I don't want it done. And I kind of nodded. And I, was, I went back the next day and I was in there for seven hours where he cut it and then I went up and had it coloured and then recut and oh no, it, was, it was mad. And then at the end, Barry Lattigan took the photograph that has become quite well known now and um, he put it, Leonard put it up in the salon and a journalist saw it, that's how it all happened. And she came in and said, oh, I love the new haircut, Leonard. Who's the girl? And he said, oh, it's a schoolgirl called Twiggy. And she said, I want to meet her. So did you have that um, thing where afterwards, you know, when you go to the hairdresser and you go, I, I love it. And then you go home and you cry. Were you like, <laughs> fuck's sake, I've got this bloody hairdo. Or were you like... Okay. No, I, I actually loved it. it. I mean, he was... It looked gorgeous. He was an amazing haircutter, I have to say. But it was very short. If you look at those early pictures, I mean, yeah. I had the long bit at the front, but the back was... Like a boy. Well, it was like... And then I had a little tail at the back, which I loved. You say that you're shy. You were shy. Oh, I was so shy. And I guess maybe being a being a schoolgirl, you know, you were being so kind of bold with your makeup choices. You know, you had a look, and then they gave you even more of the this the, the hair, and you know, but you you had like this creativity with how you painted your face, and you seem so gregarious and confident. Do you think that's from being in the industry for so long, or I don't know, was it just your age? Do you think that made you shy, or I, I, I was thrown from one. Very ordinary world. A happy world. I mean, I lived at home with mum and dad. I went to a school. I loved school, funny. I wasn't one of those kids who didn't like... I loved it. And I was planning, hopefully, to go to art school. I wanted to be a designer, a dress designer, because I was obsessed with clothes. My mum always made clothes and sewed. My sisters did. I've got two older sisters. So I learned at quite a young age. And then I became a mod about 13 and a half, 14. And we had to make our clothes because there weren't shops where you could buy teenage clothes until Bieber came. Your mama remember Bieber? Yeah. Which was like going into 
seventh heaven to go into Bieber. It was Bieber and bus stop. Yeah, but before those, Bieber was the leader, really. There was nothing. Department stores sold clothes for your mum and children's clothes. There weren't teenage yeah. clothes. So Barbara Hulanicki, who was the lady behind Bieber, who's one of my dearest friends, who I love to madness, and is so talented, she was the one who started the high street for teenage clothes, really. She was as iconic. Bieber was as yeah. iconic. I mean, I used to come from Manchester, where I grew up, to London just to go to oh, Bieber. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they had the only the small shop on Ken Church Street. Yeah, that's right. Till they took over Derry and Tom's. That's right. Well, the earlier one was Abingdon Road. That was tiny. And I, I had that Saturday job at the hairdressers where my sister worked. And me and the other junior, in our lunchtime, we'd jump on the tube, go two stops to Ken High Street, run down Abington Road and spend our tips in Bieber because you could buy a dress for £2.50. There was nothing like it. It was just amazing. Don't you think we were lucky growing up being teenagers in the 60s? Yeah, absolutely. My daughter always says it to me. Oh, mum, you were so lucky. <laughs> it was so creative and it was a real change, a cultural revolution. Absolutely. It was just amazing. When you would get photographed, did you feel comfortable in front of the camera? Or did you feel like, I am here, I have arrived, this is what I've wanted always? Or was it quite uncomfortable? The first photo, which is the very famous photo, you know, where I'm looking at camera in that fair hour sweater, that was my first photograph. And I was very lucky because the man who took it happened to be one of the great beauty photographers of that era. He was a young South African called uh, Barry Latigan. And his lighting, I mean, as you know, when you do video, lighting... Oh, you love a bit of lighting. Good lighting is key. In photography, if you get the lighting right and the photographer right, you know, you're three quarters of the way there. So I was very lucky that my first experience was number one with a very sweet, gentlemanly man... And number two, that he, he was a brilliant photographer. So, and I was very shy. And if you look at that picture, I'm just staring. He, all he said is looking to camera. And, you know, he told me what to do. I didn't do much. And then over the next two or three months, I worked with him quite a lot because he booked me. Because once that picture was released, I had we had magazines and things ringing my mum in Neasden to book me because I didn't have an agent. I did, you know, you know, I was a schoolgirl. I had to get permission from my mum and dad to leave school because I was being booked to go to Paris and then six months later to New York and you know it all went bonkers in that first year. Which agency did you go with? I didn't. I was never with an agent. Oh really? No, because my dad, my my dad was from Bolton in Lancashire. He was gorgeous. I loved him so much. He was very sensible, very down to earth, and I had to ask permission to leave school. And rightly or wrongly, they he said to me, you know, you may regret this, but this is a huge chance you're being given, and if I say no, you might end up, you know, hating me for it. But he said, you've got to realise that this could all blow away in three months, which it could have done. You know, nobody knew. Nobody knew that it was going to roll a coaster into what it did, least of all me. So, I mean, I was very lucky that I had their backing. And over those years, you know, I, you know, when suddenly you're in Paris and you're working for American Vogue, I was 16 and a half. And I was working with Richard Avedon, who was the, I think, greatest yeah. fashion photographer of that era and I was nervous but you know I, I if people are nice to me I get on with everyone if people aren't very nice I can I can be very unnice back 
So growing up in Neasden, who was at the dinner table with you and what were you eating? Right. My mum, God bless her, who was lovely, but she had she had issues. She well, I think today we diagnose her as bipolar. She was fine for many, many months of the year and then she'd have a depression. And they didn't really know how to treat it in those days. I mean, she ended up in the mid-50s having shock treatment, which was pretty shocking, actually. Yeah, terrible. Tough on you. Well, but my dad, you see, was amazing because he was always there. And mum, most of the time, was fine. So I was very close to mum and it was a very normal household. My sister Viv is seven years older than me. So we were quite close but it's quite a big age gap and then my elder sister was 15 years older than me so she became like a second mum and when mum had a what we used to call her wobblies <laughs> and she'd have to go into hospital or whatever Shirley was there and she you know and so I'm very very close to my sisters so for me it was a very happy childhood it must have been really hard on my dad now as an adult looking back what he had to deal with and um, food wise I think, like most women in that era, she, was, she wasn't a very good cook. I mean, she, actually, her pies were amazing. Her apple and blackberry pie, her, she was a really good pastry cook, which is weird because I, I love to cook, but I don't bake and I don't do pastry and things. But, you know, things like vegetables, but I think it was the era she used to boil any veg for like 25 minutes. Yeah, and there was, there was no variety, was there? There was just carrots or... Yeah cabbage it was all really, very basic cauliflower but i do believe very strongly that and with this whole new thing on obesity in this country we didn't have fast food then i bet you didn't have it as a little girl did you no fish and chips was the only thing that was the only fast food but at least it was fit I and mean, we'd only have that once in a blue moon but my mum would buy fresh food you know whether it be you know we'd have chicken not that often and you'd only have salad in the summer. <laughs> yeah. And that your salad would be a leaf of lettuce, a few yeah. chopped up bits of cucumber, a tomato, salad and cream. some egg. Yeah, a boiled egg and a piece of ham. That was salad. Yeah. And she used to make a, a wonderful savoury mince pie. That was my favourite. When I used to come back from modelling trips. You know, it was ground beef, chop up carrots and onions, no garlic because I'd never tasted garlic till I started traveling and then she'd make a pie you know a narrow pie with a pie crust oh it was so good have it with mashed potatoes and get and the other thing she used to make oh it's making i'm gonna have to make this and it's quite complicated she used to do boiled ham you'd get a thing of uncooked ham like a hock and you'd boil it in water to get the salt out and then peace pudding and she used to put the split peas in a muslin cloth and you'd put that in the ham water and then boil it for about three hours and we used to have that with carrots and boiled potatoes that was amazing I think that's a really old dish I think that goes back to kind of Victorian days absolutely delicious so when you were traveling I mean you say you were kind of introduced to all these different cuisines I can only imagine I mean I'm sure you've got so many memorable meals and things that you can't even tell us about that happened at those dinner parties and whatnot (laughs) but is there one particularly memorable city where you felt like you discovered something that you adored during that time of modeling and traveling 
And then also, have you got a nice meaty story for us with, you know, somebody somebody around the dinner table? <laughs> I think the big revelation for me, because spaghetti in our house when I grew up was in a, a tin. So when the whole thing happened to me and I started eating out in proper restaurants, there's a wonderful restaurant in London and it was the big, big place to go in those days called San Lorenzo in Knightsbridge. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember San Lorenzo? Yeah. And it's on Bo- is it still on Beaufort Street? Beach and Place. Beach and yeah. Place, that's it. Didn't we go there for a birthday once, Mum? We did. We went for a birthday and I think Princess Diana used to go there. Always, yeah. Well, her Mara, who was the, the wife of Lorenzo, she became a big confidant of Diana and, and they were huge, huge friends. And San Sadly, Mara's no longer with us. But Lorenzo is, he's not, I think he's 91 or 92 now. And we became really close friends over the years. But, um, but I was taken there so suddenly to actually taste proper spaghetti with amazing sauces and artichokes. I mean, I'd never heard of an artichoke or seen an artichoke. It was like going into this wonderful world of wonderful food and what you could have. And the dessert trolley. <laughs> I love a dessert trolley. I wish they hadn't got rid of those. She, you know what she, they used to make theirs, the baglioni. Did you ever have that? Yeah. Which is, is like a, a egg. up egg mousse with um, Ooh, yeah. Oh, unbelievable. So that was the big revelation for me. The worst story I can think of, and they, ha- they had to take me out of the restaurant screaming... My first trip to Japan, I would have been 17. You know, we didn't have Japanese restaurants in England in those days. We had Chinese restaurants, but not Japanese. So when we got to Tokyo, which was an amazing trip, and it was so funny because when I got off the plane, there were all these little Japanese girls who'd done their hair like me and painted their faces like me. It was sweet. <laughs> they had a Twiggy lookalike competition. <laughs> so sweet. But um, they took us to what was supposed to be a really posh Japanese restaurant. This whole fish was put on the table and, and they explained you had to kind of, you sliced your bit of fresh whatever fish bit off. And I saw it move. It was still alive. Crikey. And I got absolutely... <laughs> hysterical and started screaming and they had to take me out the restaurant and they were mortified because I was like this their special guest and they wanted to please you oh Twiggy what would be your desert island meal with a starter a main a pudding and a drink of choice To start, I would probably... What do I love? Probably an artichoke, actually. Hmm. Because I was so amazed by them. And I do a really good one where you get... You have to slice the top of the leaves off, you know, the spiky bit. And then you kind of open the leaves and then you make a mixture of wholemeal breadcrumbs, extra virgin olive oil, dribble, not to make it... So you can mush it around. Garlic and Parmesan cheese, mix that up. You know, it's not runny. Mm. And then you stuff that down the artichoke leaves. It's a bit messy. And then you steam it in a steamer. Oh, my goodness. That sounds great. Oh, it's so good. So I'd have that. And then I'd have... Actually, I've just learnt to make um, chicken piccata, you know. That's with a lemon caper sauce. Oh, nice. Oh, 
God, it's amazing. It's amazing. Is that just with a chicken breast? Yeah, you just get... And you flatten it out? You flatten it out. I cut mine into kind of pieces because it cooks quicker. You cook the chicken in a little bit of olive oil, put that aside, and then in that oil, which has got bits of where the chicken's gone brown, you kind of scrape that down, add lemon juice, a splash of white wine I do, garlic, capers, and you you mix that down. Mm. What you do with the chicken, you dust it in flour first. So you get a bit of thickness in the sauce. And then right at the last minute, you put the chicken back in. This is awful. It's making my mouth water. (laughs) You sound like you eat well, Twiggy. Like... I feel like I want to come over for dinner. Oh, we do. I, listen, I really believe you are what you eat, 100%. Well, I think I am what I drink, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like my glass of... That's what I'd have a glass of rosé, because rosé is my chosen tipple. Oh, it's so lovely, isn't it? Oh, especially in the summer, it's the best. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What was it like? moving from being the first supermodel to then going into acting, being up for a Golden Globe or two. I got two, Um, yeah. And then, yeah, you won them, right? I did. And then you did Broadway. I did. And, I mean, did you feel like you... Was that... Was that always a bit of a dream to be an actress? No, I I didn't plan to do anything that I did. You know, that's what... And in a way, I think that's... That helped me because... I didn't have this... I've met people over the years who've... It's good to be ambitious, I'm not saying that, but I think people sometimes get eaten with ambition and if it doesn't work out, they become very discontent, unhappy, because it hasn't worked It has for whatever reason. But because what happened to me just happened, it was like a wonderful surprise all the time, a wonderful present given to me. And I, and I work very hard, I'm not saying that. I don't think you can be given those chances and not work at it and, and, and make it work for you and, and, and prove you've got a talent. Mm. But when I, the big change in my life was meeting a, an amazing director called Ken Russell, who was a huge film director. He was the biggest director in England at that time. And he'd done films like Women in Love. If you've never seen it, see it, it's brilliant. And The Devils, which is a bit mad. But um, he became a great friend and I loved him to bits. And he gave me this huge chance. He cast me as the lead in a major motion picture thing of The Boyfriend, which was a, a Sandy Wilson musical. And I'd been to see it on stage, a stage version. And we were having dinner with Ken and his wife the next night. And I was going on and on about this amazing show I'd seen and... 
And Ken had a few glasses of champagne and said, oh, I've always wanted to do a musical. You can play Polly Brown and I'll direct it. And I just thought he was drunk. The next morning he called me and said, what do you think? And I said, well, I've never done that before. He said, well, it doesn't matter. He said, I'll go off to singing lessons, and, which I did for a year. I went to singing lessons and dancing lessons because I'd never danced in my life. I could sing in tune. I'd been in the choir at school. And I loved that kind of period. You know, it's all 1920s. So I, I, I knew that style because one of my idols was a lady called Ruth Etting. And most singers in that era had very high soprano voices. And Ruth Etting had this beautiful husky mm. kind of... And she had hits like Mean to Me, which I'm sure you know that song, and I'll Never Be the Same, and Shine on Harvest Moon. I mean, she was huge. She was absolutely huge, major star. So that helped me and the boyfriend. And also I had Ken as a mentor, and, you know, he guided me through, and and all my actor uh, colleagues were amazing to me because I was nervous. But the most frightening thing was doing Broadway. God. Which was 10 years later. Why so? Well, because I'd, I'd done a pantomime, that's all. And um, <laughs> and that was pretty scary. Where was that? In the West End. I did, uh, I was Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> of course you were. And it was fun, actually. But it was quite light and it was just for a few weeks. But... One of my co-stars in The Boyfriend, a guy called Tommy Tune, who is one of the great is one of the great tap dancers in the world, and he became a very big theatre director in on Broadway, and and has won so many Tony Awards for directing. And in the mid nineteen eighties, he wanted to uh, perform again, and we'd become great friends. And he rang me and said. Um, we tried to get a film going that we couldn't 10 years earlier. And he rang me and he said, I think I've got our project together. And I said, oh, when do we start filming? He said, no, it's not a film, it's on Broadway. And I said, you must be mad, I can't do that. And he said, there's no such word as can't. Pack your bags and get out to New York. And it's a really good lesson, actually, because he's right, there is no such word as can't. And then I worked really, really hard and we opened in May 1983... And luckily, the critics loved us, and we ran for two years on Broadway. And it was all Gershwin music, so it was gorgeous. Oh, amazing. But I wanted to know, did you feel like the success that you had was a blessing and a curse? Did it feel like it detached you from where you grew up, your friends that you hung out with? To be fair, that world ended, my school friends. I kept in touch with a few, but but you know, you've got to remember when it happened to me, I was literally flying around the world and, you know, I was being given parties where, you know, Clint Eastwood was there and, and Barbara Streisand and... Yeah, it was mad. It was did bo- you meet Barbara then? I did. <laughs> Tell Jeff me. Idol. Sunny, Tell and Cher, me. Sunny and Cher threw me a party on their lawn in Los Angeles. <laughs> what did you eat? What did you eat? Can't remember. I can't it was a daytime party. The funny thing about that, your mum again will know who this is. There was one of the biggest film stars of that era was Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even Jesse knows that. Yeah, I'm sure you do. He was gorgeous. But, I, you know, I was just 17 when this all happened, and we were at the party, and I was with my boyfriend anyway. Anyway, Steve McQueen turned up on his motorbike on the lawn, and we somehow got introduced, and he asked me to dance, and I said no. (laughs) Mad. (laughs) Twiggy, biggest regret of your life? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) In hindsight... Not really. <laughs> you had such a wow. fabulous time. <laughs> so I don't regret what happened to me because 
look at the life I've had. I mean, obviously, I've had really sad moments. You know, my first husband died. You know, he was an alcoholic and it killed him in the end. And that was... There was a few very tough years through that. But, you know, that's part of a life. You learn from that. I also, through that relationship, got one of the loves of my life, which is my daughter, who I love and adore to madness. Carly. Yeah, my Carly, yeah. Twiggy, I don't want you to think I'm nosy, but through the (laughs) mirror behind you, is that a reflection of an enormous bookshelf? Yeah, that is a mirror. Crikey, are you a big reader? We both are, actually, yeah. I never not have a book on the go. Is that, does that make so sense? So what, what's on the go at the moment? I've just started a new um, Santa Montefiore. Oh, yeah. I love her that, books. That's Kate Middleton's... No, it's not. No. Who, whose sister is she? It, Tara Palmer Tompkins. Oh, who yeah, died. So That was awful. But she's yeah. a wonderful writer. So I read... I, I like that sort of book, or I like a good thriller. Me too. That's My husband always says that's why I married him. <laughs> Is he thrilling? Is he, he a thriller? So. <laughs> he's, pre- he's pretty nice. Is he acting still? No, he kind of, he, he slowly got, he, you know, he, he still gets offered things, but he right, he's been writing. Jesse, have you seen Twiggy's husband? <laughs> no, I haven't. He's gorgeous. Well, yeah, of course. He was a very good actor. He just, you know, he did it. You know, he's in his mid-70s now, so he just said, I felt, he said he always promised himself that if he got to the point where he wasn't loving it, and passionate about doing it, he would he would kind of ease off. Pack it in, yeah. yeah. If social media mm-hmm. had been a thing in the 60s, yeah. you are so full of personality and you're brilliant. Do you think that there was a certain mystique around you that was quite fun to play into? Um, or do you think would you, do you think you would have got on quite well with social media? You're on it now. Who no? I mean, Jessie, she was on the front of every <laughs> magazine. You couldn't miss Twiggy. I know she but was that everywhere. Can, I know, but there was that certain like there must have been that certain mystique and that cut off. Yeah, people didn't know what you were doing. You could be more private. Yeah, and it's actually the part of social media that I to say don't approve of. But I think there's a danger in parts mm. of social media where people give and tell you everything mm. from what they're eating to what they're wearing. I mean, I, I think people have to be very, very careful about how much of themselves they give. Otherwise, you don't have a life. You know, I, I made a decision many, many years ago that my life with my husband, my family was the number one important thing. And certainly when I had Carly, she became the most important person in the world. And if it worked for her, with her, then, it, then I could do it. If it didn't, I didn't do it. And when I met Lee, luckily we met in 1985, having gone through, I'd gone through, you know, being a widow and he'd broken up with his lady a few years before. So we were both single, which was very lucky. And we both made a decision that if we were going to make it work together, if he got a really good job, I'd go with him and I'd turn down things because we didn't want that separation for months. You know, if it was a few weeks, that's some one mm. thing. But if it was going to be months, which sometimes jobs were, we'd do it together. So when he was playing Broadway, I went out to New York with him and I, I, I went out as his wife and I had a great time. It was brilliant. <laughs> And I did some, re- I mean, I did, while I was out there that time, I actually met a lovely producer and we did, we did an album of um, show tunes and things. So I, I did little bits, but I wanted to be with Lee. And then when I got something, uh, you know, a gig that taught me, Lee would come with me. 
So, and that's why we've been together for 35 years. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, muzzle tough. That's amazing. No, we were very lucky to meet, very lucky. Speaking of show tunes, yeah. karaoke, what would be your show tune that you would sing? Oh. <laughs> I've never done karaoke and I'm probably never going to do it. What would be my... All right, so then you can choose any song and we'll never hear it. <laughs> that's true. Um, it would probably be an old song. Or maybe a Beatles song. I could do yesterday. I know all the words. There you go. Oh, no, I know. I know what it would be what? now because I sing it to Joni somewhere over the rainbow, oh. which she loves. When she's going to sleep, I sing it to her. Is your granddaughter called Joni? Yeah, after Joni Mitchell. How old is she? Five. Oh, great. And she's the new love of my life. <laughs> oh, I know that one. Um, Twiggy, before we leave you, I'd like to um, ask you, do you think you've got good table manners? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think, again, growing growing up in that era, you know, we just learnt table. We sat at the table for, we called it tea every night, it wasn't called dinner. We always had to sit at the table and, you know, use a knife and fork and finish as much as we could on our plate and then put our knife and fork together. Yeah, I think I have. And hopefully I've taught our children the same. <laughs> Um, Twiggy, um, thank you so much for chatting with oh, us. Oh, it's been and such a delight for me. Best of thank luck you with your for brilliant having podcast. Me. Thank and you. I can't wait to hopefully meet you in real life sometime. Woman. The warmest woman. I'd never seen an interview with Twiggy, so I oh, kind of thought she'd be dead normal. Mysterious. She's so normal. She's just really gorgeous, yeah. She's like all my mates' mums, and like she's just really nice. I loved her. Thank you, Twiggy. And if you want to hear more stories from the 60s, the swinging 60s, uh, you can listen to her podcast called Tea with Twiggy. God, if Steve McQueen had come up on his motorbike and asked me to dance, Christ, I'd have got on the back of the motorbike and said, take me away, Steve, wouldn't you? Oh, man, yeah. much for listening to table manners we'll see you very soon lots of love take care ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 